High School Slumber Party AP is a Cage Club Podcast Network production. For all things Cage Club and High School Slumber Party, head over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome slumberers who take their studies a little more seriously. I'm Brian Rodriguez. And I'm Islin Addington. And this is High School Slumber Party AP, a study session in contemporary teen films. So your assignment today was to watch 2021's CODA. I'm sure you've heard uh, that film being talked about a lot in the last 24 hours. So that was your homework. But before that, of course, we do have our regular homework. Absolutely. Um, hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening to us right now. And of course, class participation is a huge part of your grade. So follow High School Slumber Party, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So today we have a very special episode for you. The Oscars were last night. Um, we had recorded this right before the Oscars, and we were hopeful that CODA would win some awards. But wow, three nominations, which isn't a lot. But three wins, three for three. I think if the nominations were done now, for example, it probably would have been nominated for more stuff. But whatever. I'm not going to make this negative. This is positive. Huge historic wins for CODA last night, Island. We were texting about it a little bit last night. Other people were texting me. Um, this was really exciting to have the first deaf male actor to win an Academy Award. You know, we love the adapted screenplay to go to um, a female writer. Like, that's huge. And then best picture. What? The biggest one. And we off air, on air, we had been talking that this was a possibility due to some voting changes and just the feel good nature of the film. Until it happened, I didn't think it was real because, again, you don't see Coda's win that much. And yes, you know, elephant in the room, there were things in last night's Oscar ceremony that probably, or I shouldn't say probably, are definitely dominating the story today. But don't let that dominate because a historic, historic win. Troy Coster's speech was amazing after winning Best Supporting Actor. Marley Matlin's just, the glow she had in that room was amazing. I mean, what a big night. I can't say enough, like, how happy I am for CODA. And I hope now people will bite the bullet and get Apple TV+. Plus. Even me saying that, like, forcing I was just going to say something. that. Like, it doesn't feel right. right. An, an Apple TV film. But, yeah, huge night for the folks that, that you just mentioned that were involved in that movie. And then thinking more about our conversation with Ryan, who, which you all, all hear momentarily, I think this is a real opportunity for additional representation, for additional stories to be told and additional opportunities 
for um, folks in the deaf and hard of hearing community, also, you know, folks sort of broadly in the disability community. Uh, I mentioned because uh, Ryan does accommodations for students with um, a variety of disabilities. That this, yeah, this is a this is a real moment that hopefully will create some momentum, and that we can see just more. We want inclusivity. We want access. This demonstrates that if you move forward with integrity and with like authentic representation rather than sort of tokenized representation in mind the kind of proof is in the pudding there right this this was a film that touched a lot of people and that people in the industry um agreed was a remarkable film so i'm excited and i'm excited for y'all to hear this conversation with ryan gale yeah uh, a little bit about that conversation in a moment i wanted to also bring up something what the academy did yesterday and everyone in attendance was just so beautiful when it came to these awards right all the signing that was happening but also the signing from the audience uh you know the the applause sign you could tell everyone in that room was so happy when coda won like it, it was just again such a beautiful moment another thing sean header the writer slash director uh, she won for writing let's let's acknowledge that as well uh you know woman writer director here I can't wait to see what her future is, too. So as we want to do our part here on High School Slumber Party AP, spreading the message of the film and also um, just everything from the deaf community, I'm also excited to see Sean Hedder's future. So many positives that came out of last night. Yeah, uh, absolutely. I think we are we are talking about the right things <laughs> in terms of what <laughs> we could be talking about from last night. And and yes, let, let this be... An example and of of kind of what's what's possible and and what's to come. We we hope for a lot more from all the folks involved, whether they are people that we currently like know their names and are famous for it in quotes, and everybody behind the scenes that worked so hard to make this happen. So it's exciting. Very exciting. So um, as you alluded to, Islin uh, Ryan Gale, we have an interview with him. Excited for that. That's someone who you had met through your career obviously we already recorded the interview it was awesome it was great uh meeting him do you want to uh, tell the slumbers before we you know cue to the interview a little bit more about ryan yeah absolutely so brian you and i had first talked about coda briefly on the 2021 um teen movie wrap-up um episodes and off air we had both enjoyed this movie and wanted to talk about this movie and we came to a consensus that in order to kind of have the kind of conversation we wanted to have about CODA, we need, we absolutely wanted to have a guest from the deaf and hard of hearing community involved in that conversation. And so I reached out to Ryan, who I had worked with previously when we were both working on a campus. And not only is Ryan um, himself deaf, but he also is in charge of accommodations work on that campus. And so really just mitigating barriers left and right to make sure that um, students are able to be successful in the classroom and in their extracurriculars, et cetera. It's really, it's really great work. And it also, I think, allowed us to ask some questions that came up while we were watching the movie, you know, rather than hypothesize and, <laughs> and yeah. sort of talk to each other about it, we thought, what a great opportunity to talk about representation, to talk about access and the arts, to talk about activism. You know, Ryan is a, an amazing human 
and um, does so much for the campus community as well as like the broader community that that he lives in and in you know in the interview we talk a little bit more about kind of some of the community things that he does but what a great opportunity to have a really fun conversation where I think we all learned something yeah I don't want to I don't want to give away some of the fun <laughs> things we talk about in order to make this happen we also had participation from a fantastic interpreter Andrew Tolman who was on the zoom with us and so if you are interested in watching the conversation that will be available on our website and you will hear the if you are listening the voice you will hear for ryan gale is andrew tolman our interpreter for that evening and it was just great and i i'm looking forward to listening to it again myself yeah i'll post the link uh, to the video on social media as well as the podcast with coda winning last night too i i texted you it was much later my time, but I texted you uh, late last night, Island after the big win, just because I felt like we needed to devote a good amount of time to just talking about the wins and make sure that Ryan's conversation is highlighted. So this is actually going to be a two-parter. We'll have the first episode today with Ryan's conversation, and the second episode will be this Friday, and that'll be us talking about the movie. And again, it was recorded before the Oscars, but... Still a good conversation, so still relevant. It didn't, if anything, it was just enhanced now by the Oscar wins. Um, So hope you enjoy uh, today's conversation with Ryan. And before we completely turn it over, I just wanted to say one more time this portion. So part one of our CODA coverage, the Zoom will be available on our website, and um, both parts will soon be transcribed. And, and we'll provide links to that as well. So our hope is that folks can consume this in whatever form um, works best for them. And thank you in advance for your patience as it's gonna take me a few days to get those transcripts complete, but it's important uh, that we have this available in, in multiple forms. I can't stand it a minute longer. Let's kick it to the interview. Please enjoy this conversation with High School Slumber Party AP and Ryan Gale. Welcome, Ryan. Can you please tell us a bit about yourself and your work um, with the uh, disability services at uh, Western Oregon University? Yeah, hello. For sure. Hi, everyone. Just to start, my name is Ryan Gale. This is my name sign, sort of like Rain. Ryan, the spellings are similar. <laughs> um, actually, fun fact, my nickname is Rain in the deaf community um, because of my reliance on uh, signing and the way that my finger spelling and everything with my name. Uh, hearing people get a little bit confused. They depend on the sound, you know? It sounds like this, right? How do you say Ryan? How do you say, you know, whomever's name? Mine is a little bit more about the visual of that. So that's why my name sign is Rain, even though my name is Ryan, um, because of the way that it looks. So that's a big cultural difference there. Um, I am the only person in my family who is deaf. Everyone is hearing, and I was born in Jamaica. Uh, so I actually was born hearing, but eventually became hard of hearing and was losing my hearing um, and started depending on sign language a lot more. Um, my family, you know, was a little bit stubborn at first. They <laughs> were speaking a lot, but uh, they do sign now. 
Um, after graduation and all of that, I did eventually make my way into Oregon, where now I live with my wife and my two children who are hearing, and I work at Western Oregon University, um, where I, as you mentioned, work in the disability services. So I am also the interim director, providing accessibility for students, thank you, yay, uh, and the school. So we've actually had a lot of big changes, a lot of staffing changes that I could kind of get into later, but uh, sort of interim director as of now, find myself into that. And uh, again, just making sure that we have accessibility in the classroom, making sure that students anywhere on campus can feel safe and included in the environment there, um, regardless of how they identify within the disability community. So I wear a number of different hats and have a number of different roles at Western Oregon, but that's a pretty good summary of everything I do. Awesome. I mean, Aislinn, you got me very excited to meet Ryan. So Ryan, I'm so happy to meet you. Um, yeah, thank you. My first question or our first question is representation in entertainment is a discussion that is brought up um, in, in conversation frequently. We talk about it a lot here on our podcast. Can you speak to what a movie like CODA being made and it being recognized for so many awards means for the deaf and hard of hearing community? It means a lot. It means a lot. For the deaf and hard of hearing community, we have been actors and involved in entertainment industry for as long as we've had the entertainment industry, but often deaf and hard of hearing uh, people within the industry um, are viewed differently because of the way that they take in information, because of the way that they act. They are much more visual. Um, if you think about the way that the movies have uh, changed over time as too, during the silent era and during miming, um, that was a really good place for that sort of visual acting. Nowadays, we really don't have as much representation on that because of movies out there um, being made differently. Um, we may also have a couple of movies that have deaf actors that people aren't even aware are, are there. Um, there is a movie King Kong that had a deaf actress in it that came out just a couple of years ago. There was another one called A Quiet Place that had a deaf actress in it. We have several movies that already have deaf representation that just aren't getting the same attention. There's another one. Um, there's another movie, uh, I believe the, the Marvel Eternals movie also, that's what it is, has a, a woman who is a deaf actress who uses sign language while she, as her character who is a deaf character. So, you know, many deaf characters or excuse me, deaf actors have not had the representation because hearing actors will take roles um, acting as though they are deaf or disabled. Um, and that's something that we call like crip face, uh, like uh, how you would maybe hear black face, where someone is taking on the role of a black person. This person is taking on the experience of someone from the disability community. And it's not until recently that we've really seen a mainstream push for that representation. And unfortunately, crip face is still happening. Um, it's still highly prevalent in entertainment. Um, but we are seeing now some people even identifying differently, right? Oh, I'm not deaf, well, I'm mute. Or I identify this way, and but I know sign language and I can act like this deaf person and it's fine. It's not always good for the deaf community. So I really hope that we have more opportunities for actual representation moving forward from this. 
um, because as we get deaf people being recognized and getting the attention from the community, sometimes it's just a one-off and we don't see a continued success from that. We don't see an inspiration and an opportunity given to the community. Uh, we even see tokenizing in the making of inspiration porn out of you know the, the small successes that we have. And so that doesn't do anything. And, and I wanna see much, much more of that. For me personally, I especially hope that we will be pushing more diversity and more generalized opportunities for deaf people who have deaf talent in, in any field. We have amazing deaf creatives already. Um, we have people who are ready to, you know, tell a story, uh, that to sell a story, to provide it to the world. But the world isn't ready to kind of pop into that world yet. We're still scratching the surface, unfortunately. Well, wow, that's so interesting. Speaking of tremendous, oh, go I'm ahead. Curious. I actually, um, sorry, if you know um, another actress, Marley Matlin, mm -hmm. uh, she won an Oscar award previously. It was, you know, a while ago for a movie, but, you know, we have had this one-off. Absolutely. Speaking of amazing talent, I know that you are a music lover and, and sometimes perform at live music events. Um, can you share with us how you got into the arts and, and what it means to you? Oh, for sure, most definitely. Uh, so I've been involved in art really since high school. Um, in Jamaica, in comparison to America, uh, there's there's different in uh, uh, ways that we sort of push children. So like here in America, we want them to do sports, we want them to, you know, compete in business. In Jamaica, they push students to learn how to dance, to do art. Um, actually, even in the deaf school, we had deaf competitions and several students within the high schools and the middle schools were involved in dance competitions and different performances. So. That's where my motivation really developed from was getting that exposure in school. Um, when it comes to dance, you know, learning ballroom, you have to walk a certain way, you've got to dress a certain way, you've got to have your posture a certain way and follow very specific steps and rules, right? And there's the twirl and the bow and everything, right? <laughs> you know, the pomp and circumstance of it all. But you know, it's, it's, it, we were learning kind of the culture of dance and that's where I was, starting but it was a little too rigid so it was actually in college when I was involved in different performances where it started to get a little more natural and I was in plays as well um, I was in Fences which is a black story that you may have heard um, so for me I became sort of natural on stage performing with either acting or music pretty much around that time and I mean, I love music. I always have growing up. I've loved the beat of music. So I felt like there were ways that I could blend music, music and sign language in ways that I previously thought that I couldn't. Um, and here in America and in other places, even in Jamaica, I you know, was slowly exposed to it. And I thought, why not? Uh, so here in Salem, also setting up language classes for people. I had someone ask me, oh, uh, um, 
can you sign this? Can you sign that? You know, and I didn't want to be just this deaf person that teaches ASL for free. I didn't want to be uh, this person that was just going to teach and be, you know, setting like a hard boundary. I really wanted to set up classes where I could engage with people that I could also kind of be tough on people and not just go A, B, C, la, 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 that's fine. But, you know, after a few weeks, keep people engaged because, you know, it's exhausting to learn a new language. And even just starting with A, B, C for like three weeks, people just lose focus. So I'm thinking, why don't I add music? Why don't I add these things that I love to keep people engaged and, and make it a different experience for people? So at the end of class, I would teach people how to sign one of their favorite lyrics or their favorite songs. And so the first song that I did for one of my classes was um, Rolling in the Deep from Adele. Oh, cool. And people were just, you know, head over heels. They're like, oh my gosh. And, and they invited people to that class and it was packed. And so weekly we started adding music and performance to the class. And then we were inviting different bands to come and perform. And it changed it a little bit too, because in the past, typically we had had musicians and bands on the stage where then the interpreter is, you know, kind of off to the side. I'm sure you've seen that before. So we decided to switch that up and put the signer right in the middle of the music. So while the bands are playing, the signing is right in the middle and the teaching and the signing and the connection of that, you know, doing it all together with the music becomes the focus. So that was a really amazing experience. And honestly, from that, I was invited to a couple of other smaller shows to perform and sign um, and to make, you know, music. I've been invited to TEDx Salem previously and spoken there on this topic as well. So for me, it doesn't really feel like a career or a job, but it's honestly just a passion that I look forward to diving into in different ways. And um, it's kind of a, a side hustle for me. It's not necessarily something that takes up my full time either, but I, I really enjoy it. So that's basically it. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. That, that sounds awesome. I would love to see a performance like that. Um, so our podcast really focuses on teen movies. Um, so my question was, how has accessibility in the arts changed since you were a teenager? Now, thanks to the internet, accessibility and the discussions around it are very different. Uh, before we had, you know, vinyl, even <laughs> we had 45s, you know, there were no captions on the on the the record player, you just had to drop the needle and, and feel it, there was no way to access that music, right. So now on the internet, you have lyric videos, and you have captions that you can follow along with, we have equalizers for music where you can actually see how the beat is moving. Um, and so it's things like that, technologies like that, that have greatly helped accessibility for enjoying music. Even headphones this day focus a lot more on bass or different aspects of the production. So you really get to feel it and be involved in the music. I think more people are starting nowadays to understand a little bit more about accessibility and invite more people to be involved in, in this art world where previously a lot of people were not considering the disability community when it came to accessibility to entertainment and music. Um, sometimes it's about getting the deaf person to sign. 
um, and less about what they're signing about. So people will just want to see that cool deaf girl doing the sign language, you know, and we really want to actually change the perspective and say, what are they signing about? What is their story? Why are they on stage? You know, sign language is a beautiful language, yes, but you know, we are telling stories of, of barriers, of judgments, of frustrations, of discriminations. And so it may be a beautiful moment um, telling a maybe not so beautiful story or, or vice versa. So there's a lot that's involved in that and we want real representation. So when it comes to the art world, we do have visual artists. We do have people that rely on visual mediums, not just auditory mediums. Um, so, you know, uh, that's great access to that also access now to more interpreters in interpreting or excuse me in um, entertainment industry settings previously there were not as many but now you can go to a concert or a, a talk another art event and have interpreters there ready to go that you i wouldn't be able to have access to previously that's awesome oh you know and one more thing that i would like to add too especially in portland we recently have seen a huge blow up in the drag entertainment world becoming a popular thing in Portland for the deaf community. We actually have a deaf drag performer in Portland with or without an interpreter that will get on stage, get in full drag and sign the music themselves. And it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's so amazing to watch. And so many people have been supportive of that. Um, and so we're seeing access there. We're seeing just the art world change in so many ways right now. I know you must enjoy that. Iceland is a big fan of the drag world. I am as well. So that sounds really cool. I was just going to say, you are talking to a couple of uh, fans of drag here. So um, that is exciting to hear. Thanks for sharing that. Oh, yeah, of course, of course. No problem. So speaking of... Um, the types of stories uh, that are told and, and continuing kind of this conversation about representation. Um, you mentioned uh, you have seen the original film that that CODA, the American version, is based on. Um, so as a person yourself in a household with um, deaf folks and hearing folks, um, can you give us some examples of, of what is captured well in that story? And then if you want also some things that were left out? Yeah, that's a good question. So firstly, yes, we do have a little bit of a different family dynamic than the movie. The movie is more of a fully deaf household, whereas my household with my family, I'm the only deaf person. My wife is hearing both of my children are hearing. That means that there is more opportunity for them to speak with each other, which if I'm not around, that's fine. But my house rule is that when dad is in the house, our first language is sign, period. Uh, so also I have learned how to, to speak to my kids about this expectation, you know? Uh, teaching them that dad is deaf. <laughs> um, there is, you know, sometimes this pressure, like, oh, this is for dad. And I need to remind them, no, this is for our family. We're a signing family. 
doesn't matter if you're deaf or hearing, we sign together. And so that is kind of a change in the perspective and dynamic that we had while they were growing up that was different from what was seen in the movie. Um, there are many CODAs who have a variety of, of, of you know, life experiences and frustrations um, when it comes to even danger. Um, you know, me as a deaf parent, I'm thinking, how do I check if my kid is breathing? I'm like feeling under his nose because I can't hear him or watching, you know, if their chest is moving, you know, I'm watching the video baby monitor instead of, you know, anything else, just in case something gets stuck in their throat or whatever, right? It's like, uh, if my wife especially leaves for the day or is gone for the weekend and deaf dad is at home alone, you know, I feel like just helicopter dad the whole time. It can be very <laughs> stressful. Um, so, you know, we, we, we face a lot of those kinds of situations. And also when confronting kids or excuse me, other people, they, they talk to my kids and they're like, oh, my gosh, you're deaf. You have kids. How do you do that? Where's your hearing wife? How, where's your hearing family? Boop, 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 boop. You know, I mean, they just don't really get it. And growing up, for me, like I remember if I had brought home a deaf girl, my family would be like, oh, don't do that. Why, why are you going to bring a deaf girl home? Because then Oh, if you if you have kids, then they're going to be deaf too. And what if your house is on fire? Then they're not going to know. And you know, just sort of the these misunderstandings, and people didn't really have an idea of what is possible for a deaf person or a deaf family. A lot of people just don't understand what we can or can't do. It's this sort of inherited ignorance that we have, the societal misunderstanding. So I remember going back and forth with my family and. Um, I remember telling them too, my kids are hearing and they're like, ah, oh, perfect. You know, I'm like, I remember, oh, my wife is hearing. Oh, we're so happy to hear that. You know, it's just like an interesting thing. Um, sort of got, you know, my revenge now. I, I'll got deaf, deaf friends and, and very proudly deaf. But anyway, um, sometimes people just look at me as a, as a deaf person or see deaf parents and that's just something that bothers me. Um, sometimes they even talk right past me, like I'm not even a person. They'll talk straight to my daughter, they'll talk straight to, you know, my wife right past me, or they'll talk to people, oh, hi, little girl, hi, this, how's that? And I want to know if they're saying something. I, I want to know, I want to have access, I want to make sure they're not saying something weird to my kids. So sometimes that can be confusing. And I'm black and my children are mixed and they're CODA. So in America, this is gonna be a vastly different experience as a mixed race family versus an all white family. The barriers that they're going to face, um, you know, for me, especially getting interpreters and getting interpreting services uh, for myself, it's a different experience. My, my children, you know, their first language as CODAs is signing when they go to hearing school and they realize that more people are speaking, then they come home and they forget to switch back into signing mode sometimes too. Um, and the, what we call the out world or, you know, the sort of mainstream world, the only time that a lot of CODAs see sign language is in the home. And so it creates this sort of hierarchy. And so I have to remind them and emphasize how important it is to continue to sign at home and have both those modalities and switch back and forth between those worlds. And one thing that is a little bit different from the movie too, um, 
think that the movie was supposed to feel uh, a little bit more like in the early 2000s. And the reason I say that is because you can see that the Coda child in the movie was uh, sort of depended on as an interpreter. For me, I would never do that. Um, I can remember as a kid, you know, having to rely on my family for different interpreting situations. And even my wife sometimes has been tried to pull in to interpret for me. And she's like, I'm not gonna do it. You need to do it correctly, you know? And then sometimes too, we're, we're at a restaurant and someone assumes we're both deaf. <laughs> and then she'll start talking and then people get confused and then they ignore the deaf person, me at the table, right? So there's so many different dynamics to that and forcing people to, to see both worlds at the same time when they maybe are completely ignorant to it. Sometimes it's not always a battle to pick. Sometimes I just let it be. Um, but if my wife is talking and uh, you know, uh, someone starts to talk to her instead of me, she'll often say, no, you can tell him, you can figure it out and force them to write with me or gesture with me or whatever. So she does well with that too. <laughs> May I ask a follow-up question about the interpreting within the family? Oh yeah, sure, go ahead. You, you mentioned that that um, the the daughter in in the film um, having to or being relied upon to interpret for her parents, you could sort of place it in time that way. So can you kind of help me understand that cultural shift and 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 is that our families doing that less now or kind of can you help me understand that time wise? Yeah, yeah, good question. So in the past, accessibility, and still is, but even less uh, accessibility existed in the world. Uh, Pre-cell phone era, you know, you had to pick up a landline and call um, somebody else to get a, a, a relay interpreter to talk through the phone. Now we have video phones, so there's a little bit of a different accessibility. Um, and if you don't have, you know, access to someone around that can interpret or sign, you're stuck. So pre-cell phone, there was no texting back and forth. There was no Zoom care. There was no virtual interpreter that could come in. You know, you had to figure it out. Now we have typing, we have texting, we have video relay. So we don't have to rely on kids or family members as much. Um, and the reason that that would happen is because kids were often in the room with their parents at these appointments but it was so frustrating because this, you know, little girl would have to interpret this embarrassing information at the doctor's appointment. And I feel like it, what it comes down to is those deaf people and those CODAs all wanting autonomy of, over their own bodies and their own experiences. Um, there's, it's not that CODAs even really enjoyed doing that either. Um, a lot of them would grow old enough to become independent and get out of it because they were over it. They were traumatized from the experience of having to interpret for their parents growing up. Um, and so I think through education and awareness as well, we're, we're changing that experience a little bit. But there probably are still families that depend on their children. Um, and there are a lot more families that are hesitant to it and take the power for themselves. Um, a lot of deaf people will even say, what do I need to rely on a hearing person for or this interpreter for? I can figure it out. 
So yeah, that's really cool on Iceland. We definitely see that in uh, uh, this version of Coda too, with the uh, the doctor's appointment scene. So um, it's something you know that they seem to have kept in uh, the Apple TV version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I saw. Now, um, speaking of that, Coda has already like you know winning so many awards, um, and is nominated for three Academy Awards, including Best Adapted Screenplay, as it is adapted from a French film, uh, Best Supporting Actor, and Best Picture. As of this recording, the Academy Awards are this Sunday. Um, Ryan, will you be paying attention at all to see if Coda wins, or um, does that interest you, or and do you think um, you know? Uh, people will get excited if it does win. I'm going to be reading about it. <laughs> um, but I do hope that they win. Um, I think that it was, what, last year, two years ago, there was uh, some excitement for another movie called The Sound of Metal. Mm. Yes. Uh, it was talking about a band member who was, I believe, a drummer and lost his hearing. And so it was his story navigating that as a deaf musician. Um, he went to a deaf camp and learned how to rely on things without sound anyway. So that movie won a lot of awards. It generated a lot of excitement. And then, you know, now here we are. Um, <laughs> I think that it would be great to have more options, more movies, more actors, more people. Um, right now we have, for example, Oregon School for the Deaf who just had a student win the National Poetry Out Loud competition. Oh, wow, cool. Um, they are the national champion out of that deaf school, um, but they competed with other deaf and hearing students on an equal playing field and won this year. So I feel like that is something that should generate some excitement and generates then more exposure for the deaf community, meaning moving forward, we get more than just one every cycle, people will start to pay attention. And again, we need a lot more education to the outside community at large about successes like these and stories like these. Um, I, you know, there's times where deaf people can definitely be jaded. Uh, I remember I was that person. I was angry because of discrimination and people not understanding me and why don't they understand me and, and why don't they understand deaf people and what, it, what I had to realize is that there are people that come in our lives that teach us new perspectives and I need to apply that to the out world and bring more education, bring more educational opportunities for people to actually learn about it. We're not just focusing on white deaf people as well. Me as a black deaf man, I want to be an example for that. When my story needs to be shared as well, when I go into the store, I already have my safety plan. I already know who I am. When I walk in that store, when someone tries to talk to me, if I don't listen to them, they might get suspicious of me, right? They might think that I'm going to steal something. They might misunderstand my deafness for ignoring them. They may follow me around the store and say, hello, hello, how can I help you? And think that I'm ignoring them. So I need to make sure that I make eye contact with people often, let people know that I am deaf if they're trying to talk to me. 
I need to know how to let them know safely that I am deaf so they don't misunderstand it. So there's just examples like that as well. I'm hoping that this movie wins awards, but I'm hoping that that becomes a, a, an open door for a wider opportunity for more people in the deaf community to have their stories be shared and not just the few that we've seen. And I hope that it talks about greater accessibility for media in general, adding captions to videos, um, adding accessibility to art in any form. I want to see more and more and more exposure for that. Well, first, I want to say um, it's so generous of you to have that perspective um, to the out world. <laughs> and I hope that um, we all learn a little bit more um, so that we can all continue to to communicate. And um, because I, I do think it's the world is better when we have more stories shared and, and there's more representation all um, across identities and, and things like that. You just mentioned more inclusivity. So that is the next question I wanna ask. Um, and I, I do wanna put us on the spot a little bit here. So I mean this as a broad we, but also it can be specific you know, to, to us in the podcast world um, and our audience. What, what can we, what can our audience do to support more inclusive arts and entertainment? Thank you. That's a really good question. I would say making art that is inclusive means respecting that people make art and have art in their lives for different purposes. Um, sometimes the story may not match the deaf community. Um, you just have this one maybe deaf person signing in a movie for no reason other than to have representation that can also feel uncomfortable. Um, I think it's remembering that 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 any identity could be any person around you. A deaf person could be your boss. It could be your family member. It could be some random friend that you meet. It, it's not just about having sign language because it's sign language's sake and looking cool. It's about supporting opportunities for all those perspectives and stories to live and to manifest naturally from where they come from. So I think one perfect example um, is uh, Ruby, I believe is the name of the character in CODA, but the girl who plays that character is not a CODA and she had not signed before. So a lot of people were feeling really upset about that. Because when we're talking about representation, what about CODA representation? What about someone who can stay true to that story? Uh, the actress had to practice sign language for nine months for that role. And she did have deaf signing coaches that watched her and adjusted her signs. That is different than maybe previously, um, where they were just have a deaf person and an interpreter and and that was enough. They really linguistically got down into the script and translated it. So there is more work, there is more investment that happened in this, but um, that again was sort of not seen as much, right? It's, it, and, and it was hard to tell um, by just the way that people were signing. It's not necessarily that there was excess. There was just an example there, a representation there, so. You know, and also I want people to understand that 
there are deaf people who love who love just movies in general. They want to enjoy your movies. They want to enjoy the work that you do. So if you plan on making anything or if you plan on including deaf people, include them appropriately. Don't get a hearing person to play a deaf role or don't put the deaf person just in there because you can, you know, really engaging people correctly. Thank you for that. Um, thinking specifically about podcasts, which is often an audio medium. Um, this episode, uh, we are absolutely going to transcribe. Um, we're going to post the video of our conversation. Um, what should other podcasters do to be more inclusive? I have seen several podcasts that typically will post a transcript after every episode. Um, there's a little link underneath that will lead you to it or it expands it out. Um, or I have also seen sign language videos like what you're doing here. Um, I have also seen the opposite where um, the audio is added from a script, like someone is reading a newspaper article or some other sort of content that is already written and you can listen to that written content. So um, my wife actually, funny enough, my wife loves, loves, loves to listen to movies. She loves to watch them, but she loves listening to movies. When she's getting dressed or doing whatever, she'll put her head pads, or, uh, her ear pods in and she's listening to a movie. I'm like, I don't really know how that works without watching it, but that's something that people do. So my job as interim director to take it back to, you know, what I do for the disability world, we also have what's called audio descriptions, where if someone is blind or visually impaired and wants to watch a movie or any content, there is audio description of what's happening on the screen. So that's also another option for people to consider for accessibility. I think the main thing is just transcripts um, at minimum. And, you know, if you're going to involve a deaf person like we did today, do what you're doing and, and make a video. Focus on that deaf person and their access and what they need. And, um, you know, if the podcast is videoed, then also add captions. I would encourage people to do that as well. Definitely, definitely a great idea. Um, Ryan, this was awesome. I mean, it was so great meeting you, uh, learned so much. Is there anything that maybe you want to say that uh, we didn't ask you or include and, you know, floor is yours. Yeah, you know, while I'm thinking about it, I guess I'm just excited at the attention. Well, not attention, but the thoughtfulness and uh, the amount of effort that people are giving to diversity. Um, I would like to see that continue. I would like to see more representation of BIPOC perspectives. I would like to see more opportunities for also uh, creatives to be able to express and share themselves in an accessible way. Um, you know, hearing and deaf stories are both equally as important. So I'm just excited to see what happens. I'm remaining optimistic. And from here, we can only go up. So hopefully we'll all just continue pressing on in, in the progress we've been making. Awesome. Uh, but thank you both. Thank you both for reaching out to me and asking me to be involved in this. I'm really happy to support something like this. And in the future, if something comes up or if I have another story, um, if I have other people I can refer you to, you know, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to do that. 
Um, I want to make sure that you have as many different perspectives as you can, not just my own. So thank you again, really, truly for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you, Ryan. Like I said, this has been awesome. Such a pleasure. Yeah. No yes. Thank you so much. It's Yes. Uh, Ryan, nice to meet you. And um, I'll definitely see you both around for sure. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. that was our conversation with Ryan Gale and Island. Thank you so much for introducing me to him. Uh, you know, learned so much there. He's such a cool dude. Yeah. I mean, I hope you guys enjoyed it as well. Such a fun conversation. I'm so glad we all got to chat about this prior to the Oscars. I think that's fun um, to, you know, that we were talking about what, what might happen. And um, now that we're all listening, we know that, yeah, some exciting things did happen. Yay for representation and access and um, inclusivity. Thanks again to Ryan Gale and Andrew Tolman, who both took time out of their lives to participate in this conversation with us. If you are interested in watching the Zoom version of this conversation, that will be available. And Hopefully by the time you listen to this, uh, if, if you are like me and sometimes a podcast stacks up, the transcripts will be available soon. I am um, a one person operation that way. And so I am working quickly and it's important and I'm excited to do it. And yeah, please spread, spread the word and um, share this conversation with other people. If you enjoyed it, if you learned something, if you had a good time, tell someone else about it because we had fun and we hope you had fun too. Friday, we will have part two of this discussion. We'll just be uh, you and I, Island. Again, we recorded it before the film won all these Oscars, but it's still a very, very good conversation. I can't wait for you to hear that conversation as well. And hey, if you haven't seen Coda, <laughs> I mean, at this point, you should watch Coda. Uh, so that's your homework. Watch Coda and listen to us talk about it. And of course, follow High School Slumber Party on social media. You'd follow my personal Twitter at OhMyRodriguez. And Aislinn, you have Twitter, you have Instagram. I do. And Aislinn.Ruth um, on Instagram and at SassyNerdMT on Twitter. Come chat with us about it. Thanks, guys.